The Twitter files. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that. Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, happy Wednesday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, and thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, as always, your humble host, and thank you for joining us on, of course, Yes, another fun-filled episode of the program. I am joining you live from our Stratus IP studios here in lovely eastern Indiana. Don't let cyber attacks or outdated business technology put your company at risk. Learn more at briandigleshow.com forward slash Stratus IP. Well, folks, let's talk about the Twitter files. Yes, now we've all seen behind the scenes. Well, let me rephrase that. It's not that we've seen. We've all kind of known that behind the scenes, the proverbial thumb was against anybody right of a Stalin when it comes to the political spectrum in terms of Twitter censoring information and in terms of what was allowed as a part of the public discourse over on their platform. Well, they said, no, that's not the case. And lo and behold, Elon Musk uh, ends up buying Twitter and he's able to now get the archives released in terms of what actually happened, but he didn't just go ahead and release the archives. He used it a trusted medium to do that. And today joining us to talk about the mediums he used and why it was so important, Jack Hunter returns to the program from Base Politics. Jack, welcome back to the Brian Nichols Show. How you doing? Great to be with you, Brian, as always. Good to have you, my friend. Well, let's talk about this. Matt Taibbi, he, uh, he is uh, obviously one of the more seasoned voices, I'd say more from your political left. And he has taken on Matt, uh, this, this story Matt has in terms of leading forward the Twitter files, talking about what censorship happened behind the scenes. But Jack, before we get there, let's first reintroduce yourself to the Brian Nichols Show audience. It's been a while since you've been on the show. What's been going on? And uh, let's then talk about what's going on in the world of Twitter. Hi, I'm Jack Hunter. I tour with the Chippendales. That's where I, I met Brian. He was our man. It's all those good looks. And, uh, <laughs> no, um, uh, glad to be here, Brian. You know, I work at Base Politics with my friends and colleagues, Hannah Cox and Brad Palumbo. Um, we do a lot of good work there, I feel, and it's good to be with you here today. We're talking about the Twitter files of Matt Taibbi being the reporter who was dispatched or given the information is probably a better way of putting it. His critics would say he was dispatched by the world's richest man and other conspiratorial nonsense. But uh, long story short, many of us have suspected for a long time that these major big tech social media institutions, Facebook, Twitter, and whatnot, have been censoring right-of-center speech, uh, anything they disagree with, certainly things that go against the COVID orthodoxy and other things, but just general basic free speech as we have find it in the United States for a very long time. Elon Musk bought Twitter. He had all sorts of communications and the Slack channels and other emails and other things. And he gave it to Matt Taibbi, a very respected, incredible reporter who comes from progressive left, who reports on civil liberties, uh, Wall Street. Um, the one I always remember is his Stanley McChrystal, General Stanley McChrystal article in Rolling Stone about mm -hmm. 10 years, 12 years ago, whenever that was. But a guy who's written for Rolling Stone, The Nation, very credible. And he's like, this is what Twitter is up to. What you suspect is not only correct, but I've got I've got the dirt. And um, people like us are like, yep, now we're talking about it in a real way where we got some concrete evidence. My understanding is that the second news story on this, Twitter Files 2 Electric Boogaloo, is going to be reported by Barry Weiss, formerly of the New York Times, who left for woke uh, staff reasons and, and other things. Um, but it should be very interesting and, you know, 
we're in a place where you can't trust institutions, public or private, to even operate in the spirit of the First Amendment. Obviously, if you're a private entity, you know, the First Amendment doesn't apply. But if you're a major platform, you would think they would want to do that. They purport to do that. We know they don't do that. And it's controversial that a private actor, Elon Musk, bought one of these big things and said, I'm going to do that. That's the controversy, no matter how they spin it. I mean, they're calling this man a white nationalist, for God's sake. Like, where does he even come from? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Well, I'll, tell you, I'll, I'll tell you where it comes from. It comes from the Kanye Wests of the world who are out there now. He just got suspended on Twitter. But you saw there, and this is so obvious what happened, whereas the corporate media saw what was going on with Kanye. And to be able to then use his him as the reason to say, well, look at what's happening. You're having someone like Kanye who's going around and using Twitter to promote his anti-Semitism, all his awfulness. And Elon actually just nuked him, and it kind of cut that conversation uh, short. But you see this, right? This is part of, I think, what we've had as this general conversation is that there definitely is uh, a section of the discourse that is toxic. And it's how do we have a real conversation when it comes to having a, a real political discourse without having that toxicity start to, to seep itself into the, the conversation? And I guess when you look at what Elon's been doing, He's been doing much more, not just in terms of trying to actually root out the real toxicness. And, and you look at behind the scenes, all the child porn uh, pornography that's been going on at Twitter for, for how many years now being raised up consistently and ignored. And now he's actually going ahead and addressing that. That's one huge area he's addressing. But I think it also is frustrating for liberals and leftists alike because they are not used to being able to actually have an equal platform when it comes to the civil discourse. They're so comfortable and used to the thumb from Twitter censors behind the scenes helping push their argument in a more positive favor their way. They don't know what to do when it comes to actually putting an even playing field. So I guess going forward, Jack, what do you think this does for the American discourse? Is this, is this helping or is it hurting us when we go forward? Well, pe people like Elon Musk and those who support what he's trying to do are helping. If, uh, from a liberal perspective, I don't like calling these people liberals. I don't, if you read my columns or when I do interviews like this, I'll call them progressives, though, you know, that's, we can debate that term as well. I usually call them leftists, progressives. Brian, in a liberal society, I have a right to an opinion, and Brian, you or anybody watching has a right to an opinion. We can disagree, but we both respect the general idea that we have a right to our opinions, right? That's the United States. That's the First Amendment whatnot. The American left, and when I say that, I'm not just talking about the Democratic Party, though I'm talking about that, but the major institutions, the media outlets, all of which overwhelmingly lean left, have turned liberalism on its head. Um, the old understanding, look, I'm more liberal than Elon Musk is. I wouldn't have kicked Kanye West off of Twitter. I am a 1978 Skogie, Illinois, let's protect Nazis' right to speech ACLU free speecher. That's where I'm coming from. I think that's how open we should be with our speech. We've gone from that sort of being the progressive position that speech should be that open back when I was a kid. And that was the position in 78. I was four years old, but I'm not that old, but you see what I'm saying? It was the old, the old liberal view. It was conservatives who said, no, we have to censor things that are sexualized, mm -hmm. too sexual. Uh, we have to censor things that will turn kids to Satan, all this, you know, metal music and all this stuff. We have to censor movies. and music. It was the right that said that. And liberals were like, no, you live in the United States. It's a liberal democracy. And we allow this stuff to this extent because that's how free speech is. Now it's completely flipped. 
and you have just average leftists. I'll talk to friends at the bar who I've known for 20 years who vote Democrat, and I'll say, hey, do you believe in free speech? Oh, of course I do. How about misinformation? Oh, no, we can't have that. How about hate speech? We definitely can't have that. And then I'm like, well, who decides what that is? And, you know, if I bring up Joe Biden and the government, what is it, Disinformation Governance Board, they'll be like, eh, that sounds pretty all right. That's not the ACLU in 1978 and allowing free speech, even extreme free speech. And you're not allowing, you know, they call Elon Musk a white nationalist because he risks allowing hateful and toxic speech, including Kanye West. That's the price you pay for a free society. And that's the point of liberalism. They completely lost the plot on that. And what scares me so much, conservatives, mostly libertarians, maybe a little bit more, a little more thoughtful, care about this to the extent that their their speech is protected, but don't care about it in the broad sense that I'm talking about, that you used to be able to reliably count on the left to do, right? Nah. You've got people like Glenn Greenwald, Matt Taibbi, <laughs> uh, Bill Maher is heroic on this. Dave Chappelle, I think, is the most heroic just because of how famous he is and what a big deal. Pushing up against this, and they're old enough to remember what true liberalism is. And then you got a whole bunch of people who vote Democrat. I'd say the overwhelming majority that voted for Biden and Hillary that think that censorship is not only fine, but it's now a progressive value. It's freaking weird. Well, we talk about politics being downstream from culture. And this has been a recurring theme here in the show the past few uh, few weeks where this idea of talking about how do we impact the culture in a, in a serious manner. And I look at these cultural figureheads that you just brought up, you know, and maybe the, the latter more specifically being like the Bill Mars, the, the Dave Chappelle's of the world, where, yeah, there has been some pushback and yet we still see electorally – and you look at 2022 here as the, the most recent uh, microcosm of elections to, to kind of pull through some data. Yeah, the, G- the GOP and the Republican Party had a much better showing than they did back in 2020 and 2018, to say the least. But it was not nearly the, tsuna- the, the red tsunami that we were, we were expecting. So I guess then it goes to when you look at the numbers of the younger generation, 25%, I think it was, of the electorate was Gen Z. And predominantly all went to left, the the, the, the Democrats for the, for the election. So I guess the question then asks, does it matter what our old culture used to be? Great that we have our old cultural you know folks who remember what it was like to have real free speech, but does it really matter when the future generations aren't embracing these principles? Well, does it matter is a separate question. Well, let me, let me look at it this way. So if things in the past that you were accustomed to as Americans, basic freedoms or policies that we had mattered to you broadly, generally, in your lifetime, if they matter to you then, they probably should matter to you now. I'll use my own example. For most of my life, to the degree that I've been involved in, involved in politics and political journalism, I was an anti-war conservative, later an anti-war libertarian. Ron Paul pulled me in the libertarian direction. That's how I identify today. So those issues are important to me. I don't like fighting a proxy war with Russia via Ukraine and spending more than we annually spent in Afghanistan to do so. But just as important, the conversation we're having here, basic liberalism, free speech, due process, basic things that something called the American Civil Liberties Union, you would think, cares about. They've gone in the wrong direction. If the younger generation or generations past my parents and grandparents understood the liberalism I just described about a free society and freedom of opinions and news and freedom of the press and things like that, if that mattered then, it was part of what made America free, it should matter now. Now, to your point, if polls show that 
a majority, I think it was 67% in a major, it was either Gallup or Pew poll when the gov- the disinformation governance board was floated, 67% of Democratic voters thought that was a good idea. Could you imagine if Donald Trump, President Donald Trump said, hey, I'm going to institute at the federal level a disinformation governance board. What do you think those 67% of Democrats would think of such an agency as controlled by the Trump administration? Probably, probably the same thing they thought when they heard about Operation Warp Speed and Trump vaccine. And they were all like, I don't know about this experimental right. vaccine with Trump, the one leading it. And then all of a sudden Biden gets elected and it's like, what? I've always been on board with the vaccine. Pro-vaccine. Exactly. I've been the one cheering the vaccine the loudest, Jack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so... That's why it's important for those of us, especially libertarians, we're in the minority. We don't want state power for Democratic or Republican administrations in that way. But we're at a point, you know, uh, I'm a fan of Ron DeSantis in many ways. I'm a fan of Donald Trump in some ways. I didn't vote for him, but there are things I certainly like about the Trump phenomenon and the re- some of the reasons people were, uh, you know, attracted to him. But, you know, we as libertarians, people who understand and want to protect basic liberalism, we need to make a distinction. That's the dog knocking stuff over right there. A distinction between the public and private sphere that that doesn't change. Um, You know, DeSantis telling Disney what it can do and conservatives cheering that. I don't think, I didn't agree with what Disney was doing, but that's just something government shouldn't be doing and we shouldn't go in that direction. Uh, Democrats thinking it is perfectly fine to censor speech. And let me be clear, private entities can do what they want. The old Twitter regime could do what they want. They could you know, censor somebody like me who thinks free markets are a good idea. If that's what they want to do, that's what they do. Elon Musk is a private actor, can allow people like me to say free markets are a good thing too, which is what's got them up in arms. Censorship in the purest definition is the government saying you can't have a certain type of speech. We learned via Matt Taibbi and the Twitter files it's not clear that the U.S. government said do A, B, and C, and they did it. It is clear that they suggested it, and they did it. And it is clear that people who were key players in censoring the Hunter Biden laptop story and getting Donald Trump kicked off Twitter later had major positions in the Biden administration. So that's a little too close to comfort for me and close enough to the definition of actual censorship, the government saying, dictating, regulating what speech can happen and what can't. Well, so... <laughs> I guess then the question is, it happened, and I'm fixing my light there, it happened, so what do we do now? Like, it already happened once, what are we, I mean, and it's this sounds so, like, just cliche, but, like, what can we do, honestly? Because it's all out in the open, everybody can see it, the left can ignore it, and they pretend it's not happening, but it is happening, and yet, more often than not, it's it's supported and embraced by government, so... What's the recourse? Do, do we have recourse? Is there well, a path forward, Jack? The first step is sunlight, which Matt Taibbi did with his first story. I understand Barry Weiss, who's another credible reporter, is going to be doing the second story. And let's see who does the fifth, tenth, and fifteenth story. I'm sure there's plenty of material there to work with. You then take that information that, to the degree that mainstream outlets have covered it, I watched the CNN coverage, they're like, oh, all this stuff happened, but here's why it's not okay. It's fine. you know. And they would be saying, you know, Donald Trump is an ISIS if he did the same thing. There's enough of us who know that this is problematic. The story's out there. Elon Musk and Matt Taibbi are forces that have to be reckoned with because of who they are and their stature. Um, you take that information. The Republicans are going to have a House majority. 
Some are saying that they might have hearings, investigations. And look, I don't like these showboat things. I thought January 6th was an absolutely horrible day for my country, and I was embarrassed. It also wasn't another state trying to take over the government. It was a bunch of dumb rednecks and yahoos running all over the place acting like idiots. That's what it was. But, you know, Democrats act like that's 9-11. Well, what's happening with our speech in this country is way more important and way more a threat to democracy than anything that happened on January 6th at its worst. And that's no disrespect to the person who lost their life on that day. But the just the general idea of American liberal democracy, free speech, basic founding fathers, constitutional First Amendment, Bill of Rights stuff is under threat. And one major party in this country is the primary culprit. It's the Democratic Party. Most of its voters, citing that poll I did earlier, seem to agree with this direction. So, you know, I voted for Libertarian Party candidates in the past. I've worked a lot with Libertarian-leaning Republicans. If Republicans have the House by one vote and they want to have hearings, that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about it in a big way that's outside of the conservative and Libertarian sort of media and echo chambers. And that's you ask what the next step is. I think that's a step of just trying to do something, raising awareness, and maybe even stopping it somehow, enforcing the First Amendment maybe a more forceful way than Democrats would ever fear. I don't know. <laughs> All right, Jack. Well, we're getting towards the tail end of the episode, so obviously this is the part where I like to uh, have folks go ahead, number one, and figure out where they can go ahead and support you, but number two, final thoughts for the episode. What do you have for us today? Anything the audience can take away, a nice little bow as we uh, wrap things up? Well, you know, we're all looking forward to Christmas. My favorite holiday is Thanksgiving because it's the only holiday where most people off work, you get a big, lavish meal, and there's no gifts involved. But I am looking, I'm about to go back to Washington, D.C. for two weeks and coming back here, but not to be redundant, but I guess I'm going to be. Uh, like I said, all my life I've been an anti-war conservative. It's my number one issue. But in the last six years, I guess since uh, Democrats and certainly a lot of libertarians, conservatives, Donald Trump, like, turned their brains into mush or something. Basic liberal values that I used to take for granted as an American, and I'm glad I didn't live in, you know, some Middle East authoritarian country or Russia or something like that, where you didn't have those liberties are under attack like nothing I've ever seen. And I'm going to continue to speak out my very limited capacity in defense of them and hope others take notice, do the same, and care about these things too. Because they matter. I, I love my country. I'm a patriot. I love the United States. I love America. I feel very blessed to have been born here and be a part of it. I want to retain and conserve the things that make us uniquely American and free. In the world of wine, there are so many choices, and that's why Blood of Tyrants Wine has tyrants losing their heads. Whether you're looking for a new go-to at home or want to impress your friends at a party, Blood of Tyrants Wine has you covered. And if you're trying to get rid of some pesky tyrants in your life, well, we've got that covered too. Head to briannicholshow.com forward slash wine and get $5 off your order. One more time, briannicholshow.com forward slash wine. Free men don't ask permission, so take a sip. You'll be glad you did. Uh, and then otherwise, final thoughts for the uh, the show. Also, that goes hand in hand with what we're going to be doing here slash are doing over as a, another part of our Patreon, and that is Candidate School, Jack. Uh, I'm so excited for this. We're having uh, an option right now for folks who are either A, already running for office, specifically your local and uh, your state candidates, and those folks who they need the help. They need help figuring out. You know, what are you doing from getting your, your resources lined up, messaging, fundraising? So option A, but also option B, if you're just kind of interested in figuring out like, hey, I'm, I maybe want to run for office one day, but I'm not too sure what it entails. 
candidate school. It's a great just boot camp for anybody to enter into, and it's less than 10 bucks a month. Traditionally, consultants are like tens of thousands of dollars a month. So we're starting things off. So I knew one of the biggest barriers to entries, I'm going out and talking to all these different candidates here in the show, is yeah, they just don't have the resources that the big folks do. So what we're trying to do is help give you guys a little bit of uh, that uh, extra help that we know we desperately need here in the Liberty Movement. So if you guys are interested in candidate school, head over to briannicholshow.com forward slash candidate school and sign up today. And uh, by the way, if you enjoyed today's episode, do me a favor, go ahead, give today's episode a share at uh, B Nichols Liberty and uh, go ahead and tag Jack as well. Uh, And Jack Hunter, where can folks go ahead and follow you based politics and continue the conversation? You can find me on Twitter at Jack Hunter 74 and base politics is my home. Um, uh, Brad Cox, Hannah, Excuse me, Brad Palumbo, Hannah Cox, and myself founded just, just it. Just mix Dan- them together. Yeah, Mer- sure, merge them. One super person. <laughs> well, we just founded this in January, so we're coming up on our one year next month. And the reaction we've got, people sharing it, reading it, and appreciating it is beyond what I expected. I thought it was going to do all right, but it's done far beyond that. We could be happier and really appreciate it from anybody that, that is a reader out there. That's awesome. Yeah. And what you guys have been doing at base, truly, it's been awesome to see an alternative form of media. And it speaks to, I think, why you guys are having success, why we continue to see more and more folks reach out to us here in the programs, because people are tired, Jack, of the old style of how we have this conversation. It's why we're having success. It's why Elon Musk, frankly, is having success, whether people want to admit it or not. It's why we're seeing the important conversations like the Twitter files being dropped. They're so important because we're seeing right now there is a a big fork in the road. And we're definitely seeing that America is uh, at that point where we're trying to figure out which path to go down. And I think it's folks like us who are really giving folks a chance to have a different voice, a different alternative versus what they've been so used to over the past, uh, what, 100, 200 years, that one way of thinking. So uh, with that being said, Jack, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate you joining us. And yes, uh, by the way, folks, I know I mentioned uh, we were here on Wednesday. Thank you for uh, watching our first two episodes this week. If you missed them, no worries. I'll include them right here below. And by the way, our episode on Monday, we had Jason Scheftel. Now, we all know things are kind of hitting the fan in China. Well, we talked about what is happening in China with China quite literally unraveling, which also is the name of his podcast, China Unraveled. Uh, And is this the end of China? We talk about all that and more. So if you're joining us here on YouTube, no worries. I'll I'll include that link right here uh, on the, uh, the, the page. Otherwise, if you're joining us on Rumble, or on Odyssey, wherever it may be. No worries, just go ahead and uh, find the video most recently posted or join us at briannicholshow.com where you can find that episode and all 635 other episodes as well. But with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off. You're on The Brian Nichols Show for Jack Hunter. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Enjoying the audio version of the show? Then you'll love our YouTube channel. Be sure to head over there and subscribe. And if you're new to The Brian Nichols Show, be sure to head to your favorite podcast catcher and click download all unplayed episodes so you don't miss one of our nearly 500 episodes that will be sure to leave you educated, enlightened, and informed. If you got value from today's episode, can you do me a favor and head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash support and leave us a $5 donation? And by the way, have you given the show a five-star review yet? If not, head to Apple Podcasts and tell folks why you listen to the program and don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe too. Follow me on social media at B Nichols Liberty. And again, if you'd be so kind, please consider making a donation to The Brian Nichols Show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network.